right, it's a day of announcements. The uh, throne speech is going to happen today, and then our uh, prime minister will join the nation at 630 to give us a little uh, talking to. Not sure exactly what he's going to say, a lot of speculation around that. But I know that Mayor John Tory is going to be uh, joined by Eileen Davila uh, at 4 o'clock today, and their odds are they're going to be announcing that we're going to have more cancellations of events as COVID continues. I was just talking about the long lineups at testing centers. I got an email from Mike who said I went to two spots after the earliest COVID test online appointment I was given at Oakville Hospital was for September 30th, which was 10 days later from the day I tried to book. Anyhow, third place was a success. There's a spot in Brampton on uh, Central Park Drive. It's an old hockey arena, and I was in and out in 15 minutes, and they're there until Friday. I think that is the uh, pop-up assessment center that uh, the mayor of Brampton um, Patrick Brown has been talking about on highlighting because they are trying to increase the number of people being tested for COVID-19. Is that the way to go? Dr. Michael Warner is the head of ICU at Michael Guerin Hospital. He's fairly active on Twitter and he posted a video yesterday. Um, he, woke, he, he joins the show right now. Welcome to the program. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me. So one of your major concerns is the increased demand for COVID-19 tests. It's actually having uh, or could have an effect on hospital staffing and resources. I think it's important that you punctuate what exactly you mean, because I think people are, are really looking forward to being able to get more tests, but that might not be the way to go. Yeah, so I think this is a really difficult time for people because they, they can really only see what's right in front of them. And right, what's right in front of them is a lineup at an assessment center. And I think what, what we need to explain is that the lab capacity that people at assessment centers are trying to access is the same lab capacity that I'm trying to access for my patients in the hospital. And all the tests go to the same lab. So the longer the lineups are at assessment centers, the longer it takes for me to get my test results for my patients in the ICU, which means I'm not able to diagnose them for now up to five days and then if a healthcare worker needs to have a test to be able to go back to work, it's now taking up to three days to get those results. So if we don't have healthcare workers able to work because they're on the bench waiting for test results, and if I can't get test results on patients uh, in the hospital to know what's wrong with them, I can't move patients through the system and I also don't have staff members to care for patients when demand increases. So if you put that all together and mix in flu season, we could have a problem with resources being available for people in the hospital. That isn't the problem today, but I think it could be the become the problem in the near future unless testing capacity increases and also unless we stratify who gets tested to make sure only the people who only the people who need to be tested are being tested when we're in the situation where we have limited supply of testing. We just had this conversation with our listeners and I opened the line and asked about how long they were waiting and I wondered out loud if we would reach a point where in the meantime until we get to a level where the labs can handle all the tests if we should be triaging our uh, COVID-19 tests? Uh, I don't think we have a choice, Kelly, because right now the most important tests are those for patients in the hospital. Because just to, to make it completely clear to people, if I don't know what's wrong with you, I have to treat you for everything, which means I'm treating patients who don't have COVID, who ultimately don't have COVID, uh, with the same treatments I would give if they had COVID. And that causes some potential harm because it takes five days to get a test result. So prioritize hospitalized patients. Prioritize essential workers who need to get back to work those who public health say need to get tested, those with symptoms, those with an epidemiological link to an active case. The people who want to go to a wedding at this point in time should not be tested. It doesn't make sense. We, we can't afford to have them standing in line because it delays all the important tests. And it means the contact tracers who are getting test results that are stale dated by five or six days really don't have a hope of being able to track people down in a way that's effective at limiting the spread of COVID-19. 
So, Dr. Warner, do you think it's a misstep that the Ford government, although they, their intention is well here intended, uh, do you think it's a misstep that they're saying asymptomatic people could be able to be tested at pharmacies even by the end of the week? Uh, I think that it's probably made with the best of intentions, but i got to be honest with you, I think it's actually harmful. So if the, if the, uh, the pain point is lab capacity, then having a bunch of people line up at Shoppers Drug Mart uh, doesn't actually improve the situation. It makes it worse because now those labs will have to receive tests from multiple different points, not just hospitals and assessment centers, but a thousand different drugstores. It could reduce their efficiency and not increase or reduce the time that it takes to get your test result back. Then the message that everybody who wants a test should get a test is not the right message. It should be everybody who needs a test must get a test, but the results have to be posted in a timely manner. That's what's going to make a difference. And that's why I think Premier Ford was leaning on Health Canada and the federal government to see if we can approve some rapid testing. The PCR test that people get done in a lab is the gold standard test. That may not be necessary for every person, especially if they're asymptomatic. We need kids to be tested in schools. We need people to be tested to get back to work. But we can't all be waiting for the same resource because it means the people who really need it won't get the test in time. Okay, so we should be investing some government dollars in, in other forms of testing. I was talking about how airlines, and we'll touch on this in a minute, in Europe are using this uh, test that's very much like a pregnancy test. We've heard about a spit test that's similar. Uh, it, it's like a pregnancy test. You don't pee on a stick. That's where it's unlike a pregnancy test. But you'll find out within 15 minutes if you are uh, COVID, po- COVID positive or negative. The only problem with this is sometimes there's false negatives. Yeah, so I, I think that uh, we may be in a situation where we have to accept something that's less than perfect. And Health Canada may need to move the goalposts, not to put Canadians in jeopardy, but to acknowledge that if I can get a test result back in five minutes instead of five days, maybe I can test someone more than once. And if I ah. have five negative tests, then you know maybe we believe it. So if the test isn't as sensitive as the PCR test, which is what we're using, that could be okay in certain patient populations if we can test them over and over again. I think we have to acknowledge the situation that we're in, which is unprecedented, and perhaps use different criteria to determine whether something is safe and effective uh, given the world we're living in now. Yesterday, the province announced its fall fam- pandemic plan, and it has. they say they've been working on it since July, and they don't want to overwhelm us with the information. So the first message was $71 million in uh, support for a flu campaign. The province has ordered 5.1 million doses. Is this the appropriate start? So I have to be honest with you, Kelly, I didn't hear a plan yesterday. I heard get your flu shot. Uh, there's 14.5 million uh, people in Ontario, so I'm not sure why the number is 5.1 million. And, of course, get your flu shot. That makes a lot of sense. But that should not be a smokescreen to camouflage the fact that the Ford government does not have a plan. To say that we're going to you know, let people know day by day, I mean, we don't want the suspense to kill us. We need to know today what is going on. And if there isn't a plan, let's just be straight with people. Say that we made mistakes and we need to course correct. I think Canadians are forgiving, but I have no confidence at this point in time that the government uh, will do anything to save us from what's coming. And I haven't heard anything from the government to change my position. And I hope they come up with something impressive today. And I hope they tell us the whole plan. Yeah, what would you like to see? Well, first of all, who's in charge? That's my my first question. So is the Chief Medical Officer of Health in charge? Is Premier Ford in charge? Is Dr. Heyer in charge? I mean, Dr. Heyer was in charge of testing, which I think is the, the biggest problem we're facing. Now, apparently, he's in charge of the whole pandemic plan. And that may be great, and maybe he's very capable, but we don't have a defined leader who stands at the microphone who is apolitical and tells us what's going on each day. 
Uh, that's what we need. Uh, there are lots of doctors on Twitter, including myself, screaming into the echo chamber, but none of us have been called except when politicians uh, let us know that we should stop talking. That's the only kind of connection I've had with the government for the past four months when they've told me to be quiet. Uh, really? We, we don't know who's making decisions uh, because they're hidden behind a cloak of uh, of, of uh, no one's actually saying who's at the tables. Nobody's standing up and saying, I'm responsible for this decision, and there's no plan. Uh, so I don't even know where to start, but I think this is a, a great example of failed leadership on so many levels. And uh, unless things change, we're we're going to be in trouble. Okay. Did the failed leadership start out with, with poor messaging, confusing messaging? Is that where they lost us? Uh, so I think that the messaging can be inconsistent because this is a new situation that nobody's used to. It's a new disease. So I think Canadians and Ontarians, including me, have to give the government slack to make mistakes. And, and I will, and I have. But I think you also have to acknowledge when those mistakes have been made. To say that, and for Premier Ford to say that he, he wants to get 50,000 tests, that's great. But you can still go to a strip club today and have a lap dance. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to to say that we need to get things under control, but not put in place the things that are necessary to get things under control, especially in the areas of the province where things are already out of control. So the inconsistency is what's driving me bananas because uh, it, it just isn't a coherent message. And I think for non-medical people, or just the average person out there listening, I'd be completely confused. If we want to talk about schools, for example, I think each school board or each public health unit has a different set of rules to determine whether a child can go back to school, whether they need a test or not, whether they need to isolate, et cetera. The lack of a coherent message, I think, is is causing people to be very anxious. And what's going to happen, Kelly, is people are just going to stop getting tested. They're going to self-diagnose their kids. They're going to um, look for ways around uh, the structure that's been set because the structure isn't working for people. You know what I read, uh, and it caught my eye, it was just a headline, how can you tell it's a cold and not COVID-19? And I thought, wow, if that is some, that's something that someone's going to click on right there, that's clickbait. I get why you'd want to know if it's a cold and not COVID-19, but definitively, the only thing you could do is, is get a test. But that's not really what we want to see a ton of people doing as well, run into those testing centers. So what do you do? Well, we want people with symptoms to get tested. So I was one of those people with symptoms, and so was my son. It took 38 hours for me to get my test result back. I was unable to work for three days. There's only four ICU doctors in my hospital. There's only 400 of us in the province. So you can do the math on that. You know, And uh, so people with symptoms do need to be tested. Make no mistake, that is important. And I can't tell whether a kid with a runny nose has a cold or COVID-19, and people shouldn't be diagnosing their own children. But you know what they will? Because people have to go to work. Yeah. And they don't have sick days, they don't have benefits, and they need to pay rent at the end of the month. And I think we need to acknowledge that reality and also acknowledge the people who are hit hardest in wave one, maybe those same essential workers and people in marginalized communities who can't afford to stand in line all day and then sit at home for five days waiting for a test result. This is an equity issue as much as it is a health issue. And um, the same people are going to get nailed in wave two. And those are the patients I take care of and those are the ones I'm trying to advocate for. Doctor, before I let you go, can you give us your uh, your feeling, your gut feeling, on how bad you think wave two is going to be? So, uh, you know, I never want to be accused of being a fear monger, but I don't get nervous about many things, but I'm more nervous for this wave two, which I think could be significantly prolonged compared to wave one, maybe not as intense, uh, but it's going to be a long, dark winter. And uh, that's even if things change today, but nothing has changed today. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. I could see us having a thousand cases uh, in several weeks. And the truth is, we don't know how many cases because lots of people aren't getting tested. So 
my concern is that the cases in the 20 and 30 year olds are going to end up being cases in older older people who end up in the hospital several weeks from now, and then we won't have the supply of healthcare workers to provide them with care or with non-COVID-related care. And that's really where I get stressed when I can't help people because there's no space in the hospital or no beds or no people to take care of them. So I hope that doesn't happen, but the Ford government needs to make decisions now that they should have made two weeks ago. All right, Dr. Michael Warner, let's hope that uh, we hear some uh, positive news from the Ford government. They're going to unveil part of uh, another part of their fall pandemic plan today. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. That's Dr. Michael Warner, head of ICU at Michael Guerin Hospital. Uh, A lot of things to uh, take stock of in that conversation for sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And I want to ask you what it would take for you to get on an airplane. You just heard the doctor talking about those speedy tests. Sometimes there's a false negative. But what if you could take those tests, you know, like maybe take a couple of them? Would you be willing to hop on an airplane? We'll talk about that next. It's Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. So we'll open up the phone lines at 416-870-6400. But in the meantime, let's get out and take a look at the drive. 640 Toronto chopper traffic. Here's Kimberly Fowler.